Alrighty, rock and roll. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? It is Rebet, and uh, I'm joined today by Louise Aiken, uh, CEO of the Kenya Foundation. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Welcome to my bubble here yep, in Pohnuki. J- juggling the bubble? The juggle in the bubble, yeah. Two working parents and a seven-year-old. Um, so, it's, you know, we, we do what we need to do. It, how, how's the um, the headspace balancing off all of it? Is it pretty stuffed or is it not too bad? Oh, this week seems a lot better. You know, I think most Routine. most organisations will have um, gone through the, oh, my goodness, what do we do? How are we going to look after our people? What does it mean working from home? Um, and now the new normal sets in, you know, for yeah. a couple more weeks, hopefully. It's that that routine which you you, you know is obviously gonna gonna kick in. Um, do you think the majority of people you know are in the new routine of this new virtual world yet, or do you th- still think they're caught in? No, I think everyone's realizing that you can run businesses online. You know, you can you, you can do business development. You can deliver work. You can connect and um, look after people online. Um, I think our, our life will change. Our working lives will change after this. You know, we'll we'll be questioning whether we need to get on planes as much. We'll be questioning mm. whether we can stay at home more often. You know, this is this is the new world, which is hopefully going to be one good thing that comes out of this. Yeah, yeah we're talking about it. Um, yeah, you know, pre-corona, after corona, the new the new timestamps, PCAC. Um, oh, so for those who, who don't know, but do you want to give a quick bit of context to um, Akina, what you do, how you do it, and where you sit in the ecosystem um, for, for the viewers? Yeah, so I'm the Chief Executive of the Akina Foundation. Akina is New Zealand's uh, primary intermediary around impact. So what we do is we support the economy becoming more impactful. Um, it's really important, and we're seeing this more and more now um, under COVID and the you know the post-COVID economy um, is going to have to be one where it really supports people and the planet better. Uh, we've really shown the fact that we need an economy where people and the planet can thrive, and that's our responsibility. And so at Arkina, we help organisations do that, whether they are impact enterprises, social enterprises, whānau enterprises, community enterprises, whatever term is right for them. Um, but we also work uh, with the New Zealand government, uh, with local governments, with big corporates uh, and the charitable sector to understand what impact can be achieved through a trading model. So if you've got a good or a service that you buy or you sell, um, think about how it could make positive social and environmental impact. And that's the work that we've been doing for the last 11 years. And I'm really privileged to be able to continue to do it because it's even more essential today than what it was uh, a month ago. Yeah, re- reshifting how people think about how how business can be for for a better you know community. And they were talking about you know people uh, people planet profit or pro- planet people profit. Um, and, and I guess in the past, probably hasn't been the same. What's the biggest shift that you've seen in terms of how um, business leaders or organizations and corporates and, and councils and governments have started to maybe rethink how they approach this new world of, of living after, after Corona? Like, have you seen a, a big shift in the openness of, of leaders that potential businesses and boards and CEOs that weren't as um, brave or thinking outside of just, just the profit line? Have you seen this sort of effect yeah, so far? Certainly seeing quite a considerable difference. Um, you know, Organisations are questioning, uh, you know, their decision making in, in a different way um, because they've realised that it is more than just profit. 
yes, profit is important um, because it enables an organisation to be sustainable. But if you're not contributing positively to the community in which you operate, looking after the people that you employ, looking after the planet which you depend upon, then what's the point of being, you know, of, of having profit? You won't be sustainable in the long run. So what we're really seeing is organisations asking different questions, figuring out the different levers that they may have now, um, which would, would have been different than what they were you know, before COVID. Uh, people are really thinking differently about how they're looking after their employees, what their decisions uh, when it comes to looking after their shareholders uh, in a pre-COVID world, what impact does that have on their employees, which really, if we're being honest, are their primary asset. Um, because nobody can run a business without without their employees being able to give their best. So what we're what we're hopefully going to see is a you know, new wave of corporate leaders uh, of government asking much much harder questions. Yeah. Um, and this is the exciting thing that we're starting to hear out of government is what is the economy that we want post COVID. Mm-hmm. And if government are putting significant amounts of money in to stimulate the, eco- the economy, what are they hoping that comes out of it? Are they hoping that we just build the same type of businesses that have got us to the point where mm-hmm. our economy isn't uh, or our environment isn't thriving? Or actually, are they going to ask businesses to contribute to the outcomes that we all need, a sustainable, prosperous, inclusive New Zealand? And that's, that's a huge opportunity for us as a society. Um, and really, we can't look at this and think it's business as usual anymore because yeah. it certainly is not. So when you talk about government, it's an interesting piece, right? A lot of the time when people are messing with government money or funds or whatever, you know, there's, there's certain you know categories, not regulations, but kind of criteria and bits and pieces. Do you think now... Obviously, after the, the reactionary and proactive sort of steps that the government has made, they will look at you know procurement brand every single dollar like well do you think this is a chance where they will get to like reframe and reimagine and reset the entire stack of how they want to see new zealand businesses operate moving forward like do you you think it will get documented and legal and they'll shift it up themselves as well because obviously traditional businesses have had a mega shake up to see this world of virtual but then in doing so almost this byproduct has been you know i'm I'm calling it like leading with love this new way for leadership that that we've seen and and a lot more empathetic um sort of awareness around employees and health and all, all of it do you think legally things will change from a government perspective that will almost demand a better a way of balancing out the people in and in, in not just instead of just profit and, and profit and loss like do you think this is the moment that that will happen well surprisingly it had already happened uh last october yeah. the new zealand government put out new procurement rules uh, for all government entities to follow and implement in their procurement practices so the stuff that government entities buy and in that those guidelines it said that broader outcomes had to be Um, taken into account in all procurement. So what this situation has shown us is just how important Mm. government's decision-making when it comes to purchasing goods and services actually can be. And we've been working with government about how we implement those guidelines and how organisations such as Corrections, Inland Revenue, Ministry of Social Development, MB, how they are making different decisions when it comes to buying goods and services. You know, a great example from last year was Corrections thinking about their security and cleaning contracts that they had at a prison up north. 
So they went out to the market and said, right, who can supply these goods and services um, or these, this service? And they said, and we want you to help contribute to one of the objectives of the Department of Corrections, which is to help people integrate once they, release, they are released from prison. So one of the prerequisites of this contract was that they would help support people exiting prison into you know, good employment. And as a result of that, the cleaning company and the security company had a program with the Department of Corrections to employ people as they exited the gate. So that was, I think the number's about 27 people um, have now been employed, um, being able to be supported, because that's a really important thing, as you're returning back to society with you know, long-term employment opportunities. That's the type of thing that if government do that well, it is a signal for the rest of the economy that it is possible. Because the thing is, with all of this, government is only a relatively small part of our economy. At the moment, they're a significant part of our economy. Yeah. There's no doubt GDP there. GDP might be half of, half of the nation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the rest of the economy, you know, last year spent about $590 billion in expenditure. So hmm. what's the power of that money? And that is one of the biggest levers that we see as one of the you know, most important solutions to our social and environmental problems, the challenges we face. How can we use the power of that money to get businesses who deliver more than just goods and services as an integral part of our, our economy? So if you were to shake a stick right now, tweak out one rule in government to make New Zealand better, what would it be specifically? that every dollar of government money um, is linked to broader outcomes. Broader. And it is absolutely the change that will flow through our economy, no doubt. Defi define it's broader. More than just the value Profit. of the good, right? Got it. More than just the cost of it. How is it contributing to the significant social and environmental issues that we all are facing? How can we use that power of that purchase, whether it's a you know, a new road, whether it's a catering service in a, in, you know, a, in a government department, doesn't matter the scale of it, but how can it contribute to more than just the building of something or the delivery of something? How can it actually contribute to the solutions that we need? And that if we do that well, if government do it well, then the private sector as the suppliers of goods and services to government We'll also look at their behaviours and think, well, what can they do? Who can they have within their supply chain? It will also mean that consumers will maybe ask different questions. Where am I buying my goods and services from? Yeah. You know, I would hope that all of us are reflecting on where we're buying our goods from through this, through this tough time. How are we supporting organisations who are standing up and doing fantastic things to leverage the strengths that they have? And we've seen... Time and time again over the last couple of weeks, some extraordinary examples of organisations who just say, right, how can we help? Yeah. You know, Fonterra, 250,000 tonnes of hand sanitizer has been manufactured in one of their sites. Really? You know, because they can. Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. manufacture ethanol, which is generally going into booze, which is, yeah. you know, an essential item for, <laughs> for many. <laughs> but they actually looked at it and said, well, what's the most pressing need? that exists at the moment. It's to look after our essential service workers. 
and what do they need? Hand sanitizer, right? Let's move. You know, yeah, and they nice. do. The, the speed of how, um, so yeah, a couple of points. The, the speed of where businesses have um, tweaked and pivoted to organizations and really, you know, it's been quite radical transformations by force um, that have happened in the, in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, uh, uh, Vic Crone, CEO of Callahan, was saying um, when I talked to it was interviewing her, she's, she was like, you know, um, it just goes to prove that businesses can move fast when they actually want to or have yep. to. When um, they have to. Yeah. Uh, Megan Jowsey was saying, uh, how do we ensure that these broader outcomes occur? A, a broad, how, do you ensure, how do you ensure that? Yeah, and, and, and that's the most important thing, right? It's all good and well to say that you are hoping to achieve it, but how are we supporting businesses to know whether they are achieving it? How do we tell them and support them? And what is good measurement? How do you understand what a broader outcome is? How do you communicate that? How do you prove yeah. it? And how does it flow all the way through, just further on from a tendering document into a contract, yeah. into a, a, a report, into a story that you're telling? And there's some extraordinary examples that will come as a result of this, particularly in the infrastructure space, where organisations will be contributing to more than you know just the building of something. How can they ensure that people are you know, who, who struggle to get into high-paid jobs? How are they supported? How are we ensuring that the environmental benefit of whatever is being built is as good as it possibly can be? How can we really push, you know, push it and be as bold as we possibly can? Because this is our moment. If we're seeing, you know, 50 billion, whatever the number ends up being, of stimulus going into our economy, man, we'd better have a better planet and, and people as a result of it. Yeah, it's a really good point. I wonder, my, my brain just went to um, the branding of it, right? Um, and it, well, first it went branding and then it went diversity. So branding first was the idea of, um, you know, when you do when your business does certain things, you get the rainbow tick for inclusivity for a bunch of stuff. There's all these different, the heart foundation, you get these different branding sort of pieces. You wonder if um, the same way when you go into a supermarket to start looking at, you know, um, I'm looking for the green tick to see if it's organic or from this. I wonder what branding... Um, piece of it uh there's an opportunity for businesses um yeah there already is you know there's some great ones already out there b corp lots of um organizations yep, globally yep, yep. have taken on a b corp status um and we're seeing more and more of them in the new zealand market which is great um but what we really want to be able to support these businesses regardless of how they want to communicate it to their employees to their investors their customers or you know or whoever it may be is how is it really impactful how can we help them understand the solutions that are required to solve whatever social or environmental problem they think they can contribute to? And that's the really big thing because it is a journey. And it's, you know, it sounds like it's really hard, but actually with the right level of support, organizations can make step changes and fundamental changes to their business that will actually contribute to a much, much bigger thing than just their profit line. Um, we're seeing more and more businesses recognizing that to attract and retain the right type of employees, they need to change as a business. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be one of the biggest eye openers for people. You know, as they've, they've, they've moved into and out of their jobs, a lot of them have lost jobs. Now, when they're going back into the market, I think they're going to be asking different questions than maybe what they did in yeah. their previous employment. That's going to drive massive behavior. You know, when we're thinking about our Kiwi savers, what we're investing in. Are we asking different questions now? 
I could guarantee we are. And mm. that's the change that we need to embrace and ensure that we're supporting those businesses who have really stepped up because more and more of them will be struggling. There's no doubt this is going to be yep. the biggest shock to our system in, in our lifetime, right? So what can we do to support those businesses that we know fundamentally are going to contribute to the betterment of our society and our environment? And that's on us. That's on us as consumers, employees, investors. You know, let's think differently because it's the time we must. You really bring up a good point about the employee's psyche coming back into the, into the, the world, right? Because during this time, employees it's basically exposed and make it fully transparent with not only the leadership, but the structures, the systems, process, the empathy, the care, the leading with love, the, the, the North star, the communication, the team, just every touch point of a business is now going to be exposed during this time. Right. And the way I feel it will roll out is there's going to be two camps. The, the shitty leaders who have tried to, I guess lead with a bit of an iron fist of my way, the highway stuff you, this is how we do it. They will get so exposed and steamrolled that by the end of this, uh, everyone's going to leave and shift off to another one anyway, but also simultaneously in these other companies that have, you know, been really, you know, reaching out and showing care and, and, and genuine support for the employees. There's going to be this pack. There's kind of this, tribal pack thing and and it's similar to i'm imagining you know if you went to college together in the same alumni or there's going to be like a moment you're at this thing and it's going to be a, such an ex, a deep experience that actually is going to make certain teams and businesses stronger than ever before the retention rate in these businesses i think is going to be ridiculously high for the next five five to ten years easy because yeah. i think there's going to be these crazy bonds that that um, either will work for or against businesses. So in many ways, it's going to um, almost amplify and speed up the inevitable for a lot of these companies. You know, bad leadership will get smoked. Um, shitty, um, uh, shitty employees will be, uh, I guess, exposed as well because they'll be. It's very transparent in terms of output. But then these these amazing opportunities for good businesses to get like really united with purpose, which I th which I think is an incredible opportunity, right, for for the leaders at this very time. Yeah, and, you know, I, I run a small organisation, right? We've got, you know, 20 extraordinary people who work for us. And I can say absolutely this is a really tough time to lead an organisation. You're not going to get everything right. You're not going to know necessarily what the right choice is today versus tomorrow. You know, things are changing so quickly within every business across New Zealand. But if you can lead with care if you can lead with vulnerability and ask for help, if you can address a mistake maybe that you've made and been open about that, the team around you will respond in ways that you've never thought they would. And I think that that's the type of leadership that we'll see more and more, where people are you know, wanting to go through this with the support and, and that cloak of their team around them. And it's really hard decisions that need to be made when you're weighing up, you know, the long-term sustainability of your of your organisation and, and your business with the care that you need to show to your employees and your customers and your investors at the same time. And that balance is really difficult. But what we are seeing is more and more examples of organisations doing it with absolute care in mind. They're trying everything they can to keep their employees um, and trying to get through this because the economy will recover. Mm. It will take a long time to recover. 
But the minute we're released out of lockdown four or three or when, whatever it becomes where we can go back to work, we're going to need these businesses. We, yeah. We're still going to have to, you know, buy our coffees, go to the supermarket, do all of the things that we've normally done, but we want to be able to do it by looking after the people that we're, look at, you know, that we're employing now. And that's really hard as a leader, but something that, we have to take responsibility for. And if you've got good support around you, whether it's your board, whoever it might be, um, within your bubble, it's really important to ask for that help because mm. it's none of us you know, read a book on how to, how to lead an organisation during COVID um, and we're not always going to get it right. Yeah. If you were to, if there was a book to be written at this very day across New Zealand leadership and navigating through Corona, what do you think its biggest insight would be? Oh, um, I would probably say, um, you know, how to lead with honesty, how to lead with kindness. Um, I've seen examples of when leaders have done it well and when leaders haven't done it well. And as you say, I think that the evidence will show that those organisations that have led with valuing what is most important to them as people and as businesses will be the ones that have the high retention rates, will be the ones where employees who can put their hand up and say, look, I'll work four days a week or I'll drop my salary to keep my colleague working for a bit longer, whatever it might be, those are the ones that are going to are gonna survive. And I think there'll be PhDs and everything written about organisations who have done that really well. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've already seen that in, you know, stock exchanges throughout the world, that organisations who are contributing positively to our environment and socially are the ones who are more financially sustainable. And there is evidence across just about every country to show that. And this will be another example of that. The organisations that will survive this are the ones that will have put their people first and have understood how to get through this unprecedented time. Mm. And that's going to be the most one of the most critical things that we'll see at the end of this, I think. So if you're a small business owner now, a couple of staff stressing out about oh, cash flow, potentially redundancies, bailout packages, all sorts of bits and pieces, they've never been I, I was talking about this the other week where but these bigger publicly listed organizations or just bigger organizations in general they have um systems and protocols in place when bad shit happens they have uh, they things roll out they know what to do but these small businesses overnight they've had to have an intense amount of strategic pressure at every single part of their business and the the mental weight and baggage that i know it, it's bad enough when you've got one fire to put out with one client or a partner or a customer let alone every single thing that your entire business even just the fact of every single you might not even be able to operate unless you go virtual whatever um if you're overwhelmed right now as a business leader as a, or a, a small business owner um and you're mentally you can't basically you're mentally stuffed if you're mentally stuffed right now how do you help how would you help them reset to zoom out and and take and, and approach the next step how would you do yeah, that? I mean, it's so difficult, right? When you're trying to figure out how do you make the next payroll? How do you pay your rent? Um, you know, how do you pay interest to the bank? 
all of this stuff, right? It's, it can be overwhelming and overwhelming in any circumstance, not just because of COVID. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the most worrying things out of this is the impact this will have on New Zealand's mental health. The mental health of, you know, business owners, the mental health of employees, the mental health of family units. Yep. So that has got to be something that people try and get support of as soon as they can. There is extraordinary support out there, whether it's around how do you get advice, free advice around your business. You know, Andy uh, Hamilton and the team yeah. are doing extraordinary stuff with Manaki. Um, get get on that, figure out, ask questions. I saw one question overnight that had about nine different answers, um, uh, uh, you know, around leases. I mean, this stuff is really accessible yep. and free. But also, as a small business, talk to Zero. You know, Craig at Zero did one of the most significant social interventions in probably the last 20 years in New Zealand by recognising that small and medium-sized businesses' mental health is as important as their profitability, even more so, and offered free support to all small to medium-sized businesses across New Zealand. And it's accessible and available now. So get on it, find it. It's you know the, the support is available, but first you have to recognise that you can't do it all on your own. Mm. The weight of it is too much. Yep. And I've had times over the last couple of weeks where I've been talking to my team and tearing up because I know the pressure on you know on all of us. And it's about recognising that at this time more than any, we need to do it together. And you need to be able to reach out. And so find the stuff that's out there. It's all online. We're all sitting in our bubbles. Get it. And then figure out a plan. Because if you can start to take one step forward, and it might be having an honest conversation with your bank manager, talking to your landlord and saying, look, let me explain what my business does. Let me talk about what this means to me. Can we come up with maybe different ideas about how we can work together to solve, you know, the, the bill for the rent or whatever it might be. You know, reach out to your fans, the people that love you, the people who that have, you know, supported you in the past and just ask for help. Um, one thing that I've, I really, really hope um, that we'll start to see more and more of is very large businesses who have good cash flow starting to release that cash earlier in paying their small to medium-sized businesses. Yeah. And that is critical. Um, some businesses are doing it, you know, straight away, seven-day payment terms. That's massive for small businesses. Get this money flowing back into the economy because it's, it's got to come quicker. Don't start to think about, you know, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll move payment out for another couple of months because that's not going to help support small and medium-sized businesses in New Zealand. And that's the stuff that if we think collectively – we can start to think, how can my business decision actually help someone else's business circumstance? And things like payment terms is a really critical thing at this time. Yeah, it's good. definitely good points. The, uh, the overwhelming thing, I, I think, which you bring up there, though, Lou, is, is communication. And I, th and I know, and speaking to, you know, homies in my circle and, and those that are in the mix, it, it's a it's a moment of vulnerability, which they will not want to talk to that landlord. They want, don't want to have that hard conversation with the, 
with their employees or with the account, like there's been talk of, you know, do, does, does someone, you know, take a, a, a bank overdraft out just to pay payroll and go further into debt with the house's collateral? Do they, all this, these other sort of things. And, and weirdly enough, it comes around to that same point of if you are brave internally enough to be able to have those conversations, then that's the first step. So you, it's that internal bravery that's required before mm-hmm. anything happens because, or else you just sit there and you can get paralysis by analysis and get overwhelmed. And And I think you're definitely right, Lou, with the, the mental health piece. It, it, it's it's similar to the launch of the cell phone was rad because everyone was like, oh, rad, so cell phone, blah, blah. And it hasn't been till years later when all the data starts coming out with all this other thing with screen time and addiction and phone and these different brain chemical shit um, that we will we will see probably the impacts on this. But I do feel that the conversations that have already been had around um, mental health, um, finances, uh, uh, domestic violence, every little piece at least has been talked about so far and there's nothing that's really been under the rug and and even pro, more to your point is there is definitely a lot of people that are out trying to it was actually funny. I was talking to someone the other day, a really smart, ridiculously smart human. And he was saying, you know, who's stuffed out of this whole thing, right? I'm like, what? He goes, anyone who's a business consultant. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, because all that's happened is every single person has come out being a flipping good bastard and giving everything away for free. Exactly. exactly. All the websites, all the intel, all the IP, everything has been just trying to help each other. And then think about it. When they pop back out and they're a business consultant, how are they going to justify three, five grand a day when when everyone's just giving it away for free? <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I was like, holy shit, you're right. I was like, is that good or bad? He's like, well, it's bad for their future businesses, but it's great to know that New Zealanders give a shit. And I was yeah, like, exactly. Oh, you're then, so you know, right. we, we we can offer support and we can also take advice. So it's you know we're we're bartering differently now, right? Is mm. that we we all will have problems that somebody else can support us with. And we might have a solution that helps somebody else. So the more that we can be connected, because let's be honest, you know, we are now in a a domestic economy, right? Mm. We can export stuff, which is phenomenal because that will continue, you know, to allow us to feed the world that we've been doing for, you know, how many, you know, hundreds of years. But actually we're now a domestic economy. So we, we will travel differently. We will buy differently. We will think differently. So actually, how are you going to contribute to that? Do you want Hmm. your local, you know, cafe owner to stay in business? Well, think about what you can do to help them. You know, can you think about maybe going to a different cafe once or twice a week versus where you maybe went to before? Can you think about um, asking a different question when it comes to, um, you know, the bank that you're banking with? Um, You know, Right behind all these businesses, whether they're big or small, are people. And yep. if you're talking to them and, and saying what you're doing and why you're doing it, then you might get a different connection. And that's where, you know, your point around being vulnerable and having, you know, having a tough conversation is, you know, the people at the other end of the phone, whether it's a government department, whether it's a bank, wherever it is, they're still people. Yeah. You know, yes, they might be constrained by what they can do, but they will try and do everything they can and the more we can support that and the more we can show at this time some of the rules clearly aren't you know needed anymore because we're moving things so quickly and it's like cool well let's continue with that then let's think about how we're going to support people in uh, you know in tough times let's think about being fair 
um, and ensuring that those people are supported and empowered to make the decisions that they need to make within their own family, you know, to change the circumstances that they're in. Those are big things that we need to work on. And more than ever, we're getting a signal of, you know, is this the economy that we want or should we aim for one that we deserve? That's very strong. I, the, the domestic economy is interesting, and I just would put a note there. I wasn't being read. I wrote down hyper local resiliency. Right, the 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 headspace of, um, you know, the the isolation part that that many for so long thought was a liability to New Zealand to the world is actually it's, it's weirdly enough its biggest asset. And then we say, you know, in this domestic economy is really interesting because the data and stats showing that you know the. The, the, the second biggest export that's going to be coming out of New Zealand within the next 18 months is actually technology. Obviously, define what, what tech is for, for a second. But, you know, if you start thinking about a, a, a hyper-local and resilient economy that's Kiwis backing Kiwis, plus, I guess, more manufacturing bits and pieces, less reliance on exports, plus uh, increasing doubling down on an export, which is weightless, which would be tech, plus one of the first in the world for to be back open for business, you know, Plus, it's it's location. The if I take a, I always take a, you know, maybe a more macro, long game sort of view at it. There's a lot of really strategic, positive pieces which are coming into place for New Zealand as a collective from a really shitty, gnarly moment, which we're still obviously not three. Everyone just you know stays at home. But um, I, I get very ridiculously optimistic for not only a new way of business to your point around with profit, but then also with the 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 questions that people will ask before any action is made because they will now ask that question, you know, to, 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 to back local, which is cool. we got a few um, different comments coming through. Um, uh, Megan, I uh, agree that great work stories create uh, envy and spread. Um, uh, Ricky Manarangi says, I usually have a question or two, but just soaking this all up. Thanks so much for your insights and positive, uh, supportive content, uh, Louise. Very, very cool. Um and then Les says, uh, do you think there will be a need for social impact ventures or social outcome ventures based on values of services to the communities? Ooh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, there's been Jones. that there's been that need for that, you know, since we started trading, right? And if you look at, um, you know, uh, te ao Māori businesses, that's at the heart of every every Māori business is is how you are contributing to the benefit of your whānau, your hapu, your iwi, and your whenua. So the more that we can demonstrate the value of those across our whole economy, the more we can move businesses to think differently around impact, the more that we'll start to see the valuation of those businesses. Oh, we lost her. No, wait, she's back. There you go. Hmm? You just cut, you cut out for like three seconds. Oh, did say I? The, say the last 10 seconds. I was wondering if your, oh, God. your phone died. Oh, no. okay. I'm going to have to remember what I said. That's sometimes hard for me. Um, yeah, so I'm, I, you know, just about the benefit, you know, we will value businesses who are contributing to their society and their communities better as a result of this. And that's what we've been advocating for the last, you know, 11 years um and you know and that's exciting um and and a massive opportunity for us if we do it well um and we provide the support the access to markets and the access to the capital required to increase that impact and, and i have a funky feeling that many more of those in power are going to be 
thinking and looking a, a lot differently with where they turn to spend that. Like, I mean, Sam Stubbs was talking about the other day, you know, he's sitting at 1.5 billion at the moment with how they're looking to rethink about where their investments go. Is it local? Is this? Like, see it, feel it, touch it, get localized. Uh, Peter Bates, great to see helpful discussion within the small business context. So much as employees understandably freaking out and government talking down. This is great for reflecting where to go to from here. Check out clause 27 and 29 of ADLS lease yep. for rent relief in an epidemic. A registered valuer can advise or adjust rents. Now, ADLS, yep. is that the Auckland district? Yeah, something? it is. Um, and a lot of organisations, and we're one of them, right? A lot of organisations are um, realising that they might not have had this a clause in their um, in their contract because it obviously came up um, um, post uh, Christchurch and then was incorporated into leases out of out of Auckland. Um, and and for a lot of organisations, it's just it's standard, um, but not all. So, um, you know, people are realising that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and what we're recommending and what we're doing as an organisation who rents a space is having a conversation with our landlord and saying, look, this is the situation. This is who we are. This is what we, what, we, what we do and what we're contributing to. And hopefully coming up with a solution that works for both of us because on the other side is also a business. The landlord is also a business. So how do we help support each other in a way that we can both be able to, to walk out of COVID in the best way? And is there opportunities for rent relief, whatever it might be, you know, uh, landlords going to banks and asking for mortgage holidays, et cetera. Well, you know, that money still needs to be paid back at some time. So what's an agreement that you can come up with uh, with your landlord? But yeah, it's, um, you know, all of this stuff is exposing, um, you know, what are the agreements we're making? Um, yeah. How do we know? Um, how can we foresee this stuff? Um, you know, because, we had always thought it was going to be an earthquake. We'd always thought it was going to be climate change. That were the things that were going to fundamentally change the way that we work. Who would have thought six months ago it would have been a pandemic, right? Yeah. Not many people. Uh, Gavin uh, says, do you think it would be a good time to launch social services that tackle deprivation underwritten by government? Gavin Healy. Um, well, I mean, the government has an opportunity to think differently around how it is procuring um, outcomes. Um, you know, there's some extraordinary examples globally of um, of governments looking much, much further out and uh, doing payments for results. So working with social service providers to say, if you can reduce whatever cost it is to society of, of whatever the intervention is or the, the issue is, then can can we think about how we structure that contract differently? And that then looks um, you know looks differently from an investment standpoint, from a, a capital standpoint. So there's lots of really good examples where organisations are um, structuring things differently, and government has the opportunity to do that, and has always been looking at things like that. This you know this not just because of COVID. So how can we be bold in all of this? How can we actually work collectively? Where if you have a social service provider who is you know, absolutely contributing extraordinary solutions to their communities, how can we all wrap around them to say, well, how do we increase that impact? Is that a solution that could be replicated in other communities? If it is, how do we enable that? How do we enable that organisation to grow and scale? These are these are types of things that, you know, we should all be coming together on and having a discussion rather than it just being, you know, here's a government contract and we want you to deliver this widget, please deliver yep. the widget. No, actually, let's think about what who has the ability to understand what solution is required in their community, and it generally is the community themselves. How can we support them to enable the ongoing, um, you know, delivery of that good or the service in the right way? 
Um, and that's about sometimes thinking a little bit outside the box. Well, I think all those conversations, they've been forced now, but now it's not, um, it's not forced to tick the box and, and make it look like you care. You almost, you genuinely have to, right? Um, Gilliam says, lean with kindness. Thank you, Louise. Uh, Joshua uh, Pretty uh, will be interesting to see if big corporate change their attitude towards social impact. Um, and then well, can I say to that? Yeah, go for it. it. Let's not just hope that they do. Let's ensure that they do. Yep. You know? So spend differently, invest differently, be employed differently. You know, we as individuals have a responsibility to change our economy as much as we can. And we can't just leave it up to a boardroom table to yeah. be the ones who decide this. Because it, like it almost needs to be like your own little, you know, commercial manifesto for others to, to, to go by, right? Like where, where is that, that um, the North Star of goodness for, for business mm -hmm. that, that becomes aspirational? What is that? Because I don't think that exists. Paperwork exists, but not uh, maybe like documented intent for business. Is it really doesn't feel like? Yeah, and you know, it's important to you know also be you know honest about it. Is not everybody has that choice, right? So how can we as an economy enable more inclusivity? How can we address the fundamental issues of access to an economy? How do we enable everybody within our economy to be able to make the right choices for them and their families? the right choice for our environment, the right choice for their communities. And that we're not there at the moment because many people will not have the choice as to who to buy their goods and services from. You know, many people won't be able to contribute in an economy to the degree that they want to. So that's a fundamental thing that we need to solve because it's going to be even more apparent post-COVID that that's the situation we're now living in. And more and more people will be struggling and more and more cost will go on to organisations that are doing extraordinary things in our communities, you know, to su supply food, housing, um, mental health support, addiction support, you know, domestic violence support. These, these are the organisations that we know we need to support coming out yep. of this because the, the call on them is going to be significantly more than what it was a month ago, which is frightening as a, you know, as a community, as a society. Yeah. Um. Uh, Philip Murray, based on Te Ao Māori, what are three key strategies that iwi and hapu need to address uh, post-COVID? Um, well, I, I don't think I'm the person to answer that. Um, I think that there are um, some extraordinary Māori leaders and some extraordinary Māori businesses who have been doing this for many, many years. This is not yep. anything new. It is about absolute care of whānau. It is about absolute care of whenua and being able to think much further than the next quarter, the next financial year. It's thinking the next 500 years, you know, and the decisions that are being made and have been made for many generations are actually the way that all businesses should be thinking. Um, and I think that as a Pākehā economy, we should be looking um, and learning from the way iwi businesses work. We should be thinking and learning about how can we um, adopt the practices that demonstrate what is social responsibility and environmental responsibility, um, because that is a fundamental part of, of Māori tikanga and, and a fundamental part of te ao Māori businesses. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the cultural angle with how, especially like, you know, Māori see legacy and care it's definitely gener it's a generational it's amazon macro long game 
chess shit, not transaction next to the quarter, whatever. I, I fundamentally agree. Um, uh, G says, uh, corporates have responsibility as they're part of the community and they can also make a positive difference and support the issue that their employees care about simply by providing a gift matching program and making a donation to charities that receiving a donation from their staff. If you care, I care too. And then Tim Jones says, great work, Lou. Mm. Hmm. He's a good guy. If, it, if that's the same Tim Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good grow guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I just like that people are forced to think differently around what the new, that new world AC looks like after Corona, right? What, what does, what does, you know, do our, I think there's, everyone's just going to reset everything after they get back in the room and, and it's, there's going to almost be this, it's like, when you haven't seen a buddy in ages and then you sit down and you end up just like bantering for years and you just get got to get everything off your chest and this happened and that, that, that. After everyone finally reconnects, there's just going to be this massive decompression phase, I feel, where all the leaders are going to be, okay, and then this, this, and it's just going to be this like, you know, this, this just massive just spew of emotion and feeling and ideas and strategy and everything in, in, in one time. You just hope that at that point they're like, okay, now how do we, you know, redesign, reimagine, reset this thing? Yeah. And let's just not revert back to the, you know, to the easy known, right? Because the easy known is not the thing we need. We need the boldness. We need, you know, we need to be thinking differently because if this is not going to be the first pandemic probably in our lifetime, there's probably going to be others. So actually, how are we going to be resilient as an economy um, for the next big shock? And hopefully, we've done things differently in the way that we look after our businesses, manage profit, look after our people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, but I also think personally, this is all going to have, you know, this is going to have a significant change to us because I can guarantee, you know, if we all said, honestly, what are we missing the most? In, you know, in our bubbles, it isn't going down to the shops and buying a new top or dress. It's being able to connect with people. It's being able to hang out with the people that you care about, the people that you love. That's the thing that we should hold on to and remember because we've all survived with, you know, only going to the supermarket to buy our, our stuff to spend our money. We've all survived with that. Mm. So actually, did we need to have the consumerism that maybe we had before possibly I, not you know I, yeah. we could remember that i think yeah i have a funky feeling that minimalism is going to make a huge rise after this for for many of just like do i need that extra top do i have to yeah. you know it's like because i did it before and weirdly enough after you get into that routine phase of you know maybe eating at home every single day instead of every single meal out which is probably which is kind of myself, um, which I definitely do that because I can't cook. Um, then I'm thinking, oh, maybe I know how to make sandwiches now. Okay, so exactly. maybe I don't, you know, even I follow a recipe. What about that? I mean, yeah. you know, based on my Twitter feed, I think every New Zealander is going to go down to KFC on their first <laughs> out of the house because it's like, and, you know, and I think once everyone's over that, then it'll be like, right, okay, well, we can maybe make. KFC at home. I don't know. There's, so a, there's been a few good attempts online from what I've seen. Um, I haven't yet um, done that in my household, but it's probably not too far away, I would think. If you're, if you're, K, if you're KFC right now, you should they could honestly do like a, a, a Kiwi battle my chicken recipe and you've got to try and replicate it. 
And yeah. I'm just see that the best one. Um, Tim says, uh, this is the greatest opportunity we have collectively to choose how we redesign uh, the show so it works for all humans on the planet. And Maureen says, uh, thanks for your mahu, Louise. Uh, sure. Good chat. Good banter. It's good talking to you again. I like uh, got it. It's like a good, um, you've always got a good energy of, of, of care and commerce. It's a tough balance. Yeah. But you know, it's just, I'm, I'm so extraordinarily lucky to, you know, do the work that I do to work with the people I work with um, and to hopefully be able to contribute to a bigger conversation because um, you know, I'm a mum of a seven year old and I want him to, live in a world where um, he knows that we did everything we could um, to mm. make it better for him and uh, make it better for the people around him. And, um, you know, if, I think that's a responsibility um, that we should, you know, take pride in and to think, well, God, let's be bold. Let's, you know, let's shake it up. Because if we don't, that's on us. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, that's something that will hopefully get us through these next few weeks in isolation. And then we can't forget that we've got to continue with it. Great end. I can't wait till you go into politics. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't last a week. Too many people know too much stuff about me. No. That's, that's my excuse. Um, well, yeah. I really appreciate I mean, your time. I, I think I would be, um, you know, I've been into the house a few times and listened to the banter. And I think I don't have that control. No, yeah. yeah. I think I'd I'd, I'd last yeah a, a few days less less than you. Um, well, yeah. until we meet in the KFC drive-through, my friend. Yeah, I, pr I appreciate well, uh, the yarns. Yeah, continue to fight the good fight. You're doing an extraordinary right. job, and I appreciate um, it. More we can get people to converse and be honest, and you know address this stuff and figure out that we're all part of the solution. The better for all of us. So, yeah. well done, my friend. Love your work. Thanks, Lou. I'll talk to you soon, eh? See you later. All right. Louise Aitken, CEO from the Akina Foundation. Good human. Good soul. Smart brain. Big ideas. Brave thinking. Flipping solid. Um, big day ahead, team. I hope you've got a good kickoff there. Even just, yeah, just, just resetting, you know, government, social procurement, really interesting. You know, leadership and decision makers, exposing weaker businesses that had shit culture really interesting domestic economy really interesting hyper local resiliency really interesting tech is a growing export really interesting i'm even just thinking of like physically if you were to if new zealand could be fully resilient but it still has got gnarly exports you're still going to have you know fucking billion dollar industry going out and you know not not yeah, it's a it's gonna be a different world it is a different world we're now in ac i'm calling it i've i've started pc ac pc Pre-corona, AC after corona. It's a thing. See you next one, team. Peace.